You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's official. We now know the Rockets' playoff opponent. On that note, welcome in to a season-ending episode of Lockdown Rockets, the only daily podcast covering the NBA's best basketball team, at least by record. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official flagship. The Rockets are still playing as I record this podcast, 65-16, and 16, in Sacramento to finish out the season, but the important news is that the playoff matchup is set. It will be the Rockets against the Timberwolves in round one, starting this weekend in Houston. Minnesota winning the eighth seed because they defeated the Nuggets head-to-head in overtime, an epic game in Minnesota. Nuggets missing out on the playoffs by a game. Minnesota making it by a game. And by virtue of the Pelicans defeating the Spurs, that made the tie between the Timberwolves and Spurs for the last playoff spot. And the Spurs own that tiebreaker. So the Spurs will be the seventh seed playing the Warriors. The Timberwolves will be the eighth seed playing the Houston Rockets. I'll be joined momentarily by Colton Molesky, host of Locked on Timberwolves, to give a little bit of early insight from the Minnesota side and give him a few minutes to calm down because, oh my goodness, was that an epic game. But before we get to Colton, some initial thoughts on the matchup from my perspective. And yes, the Rockets' season is not done. They're playing in Sacramento tonight. They could finish 65-17 and 17 or 66-16. and 16. But really, this game, it's inconsequential. The only regular playing is P.J. Tucker, James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Trevor Ariza, Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson. Name a regular other than P.J. Tucker. They're not playing. Well, I guess Gerald Green as well. Certainly not Luke Bamute as expected. We learned that his dislocated shoulder, somewhat similar timetable to the last time, probably two to three weeks, certainly out for the first round and then reevaluate him after round one. And unfortunately, Minnesota, a team with Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, it's a fairly long opponent that, in an ideal world, you would love to have Luke Bamute against. But the difference between the Rockets and Timberwolves is not just Luke Bamute. So while it hurts, you hope the Rockets with Gerald Green and Joe Johnson potentially able to step in to some additional minutes, potentially bump up the minutes for starters Trevor Ariza and P.J. Tucker are here as well. And the Rockets, I'm not going to say that they're 100% to beat the 47 and 35 Timberwolves because nothing is, but... If the Rockets lose four times out of seven to the Minnesota Timberwolves, it's not about the matchup. It's not about Luke Bamute. It's because something was fundamentally wrong or broken about the Rockets. I don't expect that to be the case. But ultimately, that's why I wasn't all that, other than the intrigue of seeing exactly what the matchup is, fascinated by the number eight. Is it going to be Minnesota, San Antonio, or New Orleans? Won't be New Orleans, of course, because they annihilated San Antonio head-to-head. But... Ultimately, it's Minnesota, but the reality, the Rockets, they're 18 to 20 games better than all of these teams. So in terms of this matchup, when you have that much of a differential over 82 games, it's not unprecedented. The Golden State Warriors in 2007 were 20 plus games worse than the Dallas Mavericks, who won 67 games, and they won in six games. So it has been done before, but the Rockets are the better team. And beyond that, they beat the Timberwolves all four times this season, the first three by 18 points. Now, the ace in the hole for the Timberwolves, the last one and a half games, did not have Jimmy Butler. Butler missed most of the final two months of the year, actually tore his meniscus in Houston in the second half of the third game. The Timberwolves lost to the Rockets with a month span. 
and he missed a couple of months, did not return to the final week. But even in just his third game, he did step it up when the Timberwolves needed most in the in the finale with a team best 31 points in 42 minutes, five assists, five rebounds, Tom Ball's finest, and you know good and well he will want to step up in front of his hometown fans in Houston this weekend. As far as my initial thoughts, the good news for the Rockets, it's very friendly to them offensively. When you look at their top efficiency matchups this year, several of them have come against the Nuggets. They don't stop plan A for the Rockets, which is that high pick and roll. And in terms of their star players, they are kind of top-heavy with Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins at times. But actually, the Rockets match up fairly well with them, especially uh, Clint Capella, who has frustrated Carl Anthony Towns at times. And I think especially if it gets a little chippier in the playoffs, that probably favors Clint. And Jimmy Butler... He had a great game in the finale. You have to wonder how much of that was adrenaline. His conditioning not quite up to par, and then who knows how explosive he is coming off the meniscus. So there's a lot of uncertainty in regards to, while he had 31 points in 42 minutes, a heroic performance in the season finale, does that carry over to the playoffs? That remains to be seen. But initially, my thought is that the reason the Rockets were so successful against Minnesota, every one of those games, they were dominant offensively. In all four matchups, the Rockets scored 116 or more, and two of them, they scored 126 or more. What really stood out to me beyond, of course, all the big three of them scored that many points, of course, James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, they all had a lot of success in that matchup. But Ryan Anderson, boy, the Timberwolves, who tend to play a more traditional style up front, bruising Carl Anthony Towns, Taj Gibson with Tom Thibodeau as the coach, they were the type of team, it feels like when you play the Timberwolves stylistically, they're a team that you think of maybe five to ten years ago in the NBA, and that's when stretch fours like Ryan Anderson are or were especially valuable. Not that they're not valuable today, but I think especially five to ten years ago, those were the way because it was such a unique concept. And in that Houston-Minnesota matchup, Ryan just cooked them. What stands out the most is the first game in Minneapolis when the Rockets were actually down 13 in the first quarter, ended up winning comfortably by 18, a 30-plus point switch in the game. Ryan had six threes, and that was a stretch in which Ryan wasn't even playing that well. Now, the downside, Ryan has only played in nine games on the stretch of the year. We heard Tuesday his ankle's still a little stiff and swollen after spreading it last week, so he's not going to have any rhythm going into the playoffs. But I do, do think he's confident in this matchup, and ultimately the Rockets are going to need him because he's been begging against Minnesota this season. And without Luke Baumute, you're probably not going to be able to play P.J. Tucker as your backup five that much. So you need Ryan Anderson. I think it's been clear that Mike D'Antoni is leaning to Anderson over Nene as the backup center for a while. And I think especially in this matchup, the ability to space the floor, it's been big for Ryan. So assuming he is medically cleared to play, he could be the X factor for the Rockets this season based on the first four games. So offensively, it's very favorable for the Rockets. Timberwolves have gotten a lead in a couple of those games. They are explosive. But the reason it's tough to see the Timberwolves beating Houston four times out of seven Aside from the fact they're 47 and 35 to Houston finishing with 65 or 66, it's that if you're not dialed in defensively, you can't disrupt what Houston wants to do as far as plan A. I don't care who you are. It's tough to beat the Rockets on any sort of regular basis. Now, that's the upside. The Rockets certainly should win this series. Evans by the 4-0 mark in the regular season. None of them were close. Maybe there's a little bit of chippiness left over between the Jing and Gerald Green altercation in the last game in Minnesota. Those are some storylines to watch. The one thing I will say, Minnesota is more talented than the other two potential eight seeds being New Orleans or San Antonio. Between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, if those are healthy, those are two all-star players. Andrew Wiggins, there's a reason he was drafted number one overall. Jeff Teague at times can be dynamic. 
there is one there is more top shelf talent in Minnesota than especially San Antonio, and I would say even New Orleans as well, after losing Boogie Cousins. Anthony Davis, great, but overall, they don't have nearly as many difference makers as Minnesota does. Now, I'm not oblivious to the defensive end of the floor. That's why the Rockets are favored and should win this series. And stylistically, I think it matches up very well for them. But the one thing that I will say, the Rockets need to play well early in games in this series. Because if it gets down to the fourth quarter, Minnesota has the type of team that you don't usually see fitting the 7 or 8 seed profile and that they have difference makers that even against the Rockets, who when healthy have been a top 10 at times top 5 defense this year, Minnesota has guys that can create their own shots, that even if you defend them well, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, they can just go out and make a play. So they are a little more dangerous. I think the Rockets, over the balance of 48 minutes, are certainly the better team. But I would like to see the Rockets go out and take care of business early in this series because if it gets close late, there's enough length and athleticism in Minnesota that they can create their own shots and they can disrupt you some defensively as well. You go back to that Denver-Minnesota game, on Wednesday night to decide the playoffs, the Nuggets did not get many clean looks down the stretch, and in part that's because of just how long Minnesota is and how many difference makers they have. Now the flip side, the other reason that I think the Rockets could benefit from getting out to early leads in this series, I think there's going to be a lot of happy to be there from Minnesota. It's a franchise that has not made the playoffs since 2004, the longest drought in the NBA. It ends after 13 years. And you could see that that game against Denver, it was like their Super Bowl. You could see the smiles. And the flip side, I mentioned they play well defensively, which you would not necessarily think based on their performance all year. Well, offensively, they were a train wreck. They could not create their own offense. They got the ball with a couple of seconds left in regulation, a chance to win it. Best shot they could get was a Jamal Crawford 40-footer, which she airballed. It was not pretty, despite all of those options. So you could see them getting a little bit tight. They're very young. They're very inexperienced. The moment seemed a little big for them. I don't think Denver was good enough or experienced enough themselves to take advantage of it, but it certainly was not one in which you would watch that game and feel especially afraid of Minnesota. They've been in something of a win-or-go-home mindset for the final week. Minnesota lost two games last week. Actually, one of them not even close. At home to Utah, lost by 24, then lost at Denver. Had to win all of their last three to make the playoffs at the Lakers. Home versus Memphis, those not very good opponents. And then, of course, the finale home against Denver, the six-point overtime win. So, in theory, there should be a letdown in intensity, especially combine that with how young they are and the relative inexperience. That should play to the Rockets' favor. However, the other side of that coin is that they have nothing to lose, and they have a lot of talent. So if you let them get hope, all of a sudden, it can be a lot daunting. I could see the Rockets sweeping the series or winning in five. And based on their talent, I could also see them really pushing the Rockets if they get some confidence. Think back to, say, the Thunder against the Lakers back in 2010. It's going to be a hell of a parallel, but think when the Thunder were just babies back then. I believe it was the second year for James Harden, third year for Westbrook. It was the first round they got in the playoffs. Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, and people thought they'd be happy to be there. And they pushed the Lakers, defending, uh, defending champion and eventual champion Lakers, all the way to six games or in it till the end of game six. Now, I don't think Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns are quite to that level of Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that's what can happen when you play a young team in the playoffs and you take them for granted and you think that, well, they're just going to fold because they're inexperienced. No, if they get confidence, they're playing with house money. There's no pressure. So if you let them hang around, they can be dangerous. There's enough talent. But the other side of it, of course, is that the Rockets, they beat them all four times. None of them have even been particularly close. Offensively, they've been very smooth. 
I think the Nuggets are, I'm not the Nuggets, excuse me, the Timberwolves are happy to be there. So if the Rockets can land some early haymakers, I think it can be a short series. I think talent-wise, it's tougher than if they played the Spurs. But mentally, I think there's maybe a comfort zone for the Rockets with Minnesota. And maybe the opposite of that, a little bit more nervousness with the Timberwolves playing the Rockets than the Spurs playing the Rockets. And so whatever gap there is in terms of the Timberwolves being more talented, maybe it's offset by the mental edge and also potentially a coaching edge as well. D'Antoni versus Tom Thibodeau, not nearly as intimidating as Mike D'Antoni versus Greg Popovich. But that's just my initial thoughts. That's enough for me. Want to get some discussion from the other side of the table as well. So we are going to take a very quick break for our sponsors. And then on the other side, I'll be joined by Colton Molesky. He's the host of Lockdown Timberwolves on this same great Lockdown Podcast Network and get his thoughts on how Minnesota may match up with the Rockets. All right, Ben Dubose here of Lockdown Rockets, joined by Colton Molesky, host of Lockdown Timberwolves, to talk about, well, I, I don't know if I would call it a rivalry, but at least for the next four-plus games, it may feel like one. First overall seed in the West, the Houston Rockets. Now we know who the eighth overall seed in the West is for the first time since 2004. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves who are back in the playoffs. So for this segment, I'm the host of Lockdown Rockets. Colton, you are the host of Lockdown Timberwolves. Your thoughts on, as a longtime follower of the Timberwolves, what it felt like just to get back in the postseason and to be in that heavyweight fight late in a tight game with Denver that could have gone either way at the end of regulation and overtime. Wow. The, the last time that I watched the Timberwolves team head to the playoffs, I was nine years old then. Nine. So this is this is a pretty crazy experience for me right now. I'm happy that the Timberwolves are in the playoffs. I'm really happy for the Timberwolves fan base. I think you could tell from the festive atmosphere. It, it, went, it was getting kind of quiet there. As the as the Denver Nuggets made a push in the fourth quarter, Jamal Murray looked really good late in that game to keep the Nuggets in it and push overtime. But you can tell from most of that game, there's just this sense of excitement around this Timberwolves, and it's it's been there the entire season. It's been there around Jimmy Butler. So good to have him back, and just really excited to see some postseason play for the first time in 13 seasons for the Timberwolves franchise. What do you take out of the the final minutes of regulation overtime in that game? It was so weird as obviously not a Wolves diehard, but I've watched them all four times against the Rockets and have followed them a lot throughout the year because Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, it's an interesting team with a lot of talent. And you tend to think of them generally as a much more offensive-minded team. Their defense, especially against the Rockets, is what's lagged. Rockets scored 120-plus in three of the four games all wins. At the end of the Denver game, it was almost the opposite of what you would expect from Minnesota. And you can kind of look at it, in my opinion, as glass half empty or glass half full. The negative is that all these playmakers in Minnesota, the offense got stagnant and they didn't really seem to create their own shots. Maybe they're a little bit nervous based on the moment. The flip side, Denver's a very good offensive team and Denver did not get very many good looks at all. So if you were pessimistic about the offense the Minnesota showed, I think maybe you take some something positive from the defensive showing that a quality offense team in Denver did not get many good looks down the stretch of that game. And as you mentioned, the only shots they really were able to make were because Jamal Murray just somehow went into hero mode and made some just incredible looks. Well, if you're looking at the offense for both of these teams, really, not some great shooting or not some great looks for either offense. You saw the Timberwolves have some... Uh, Poor isolation plays at the end of regulation for that basketball game. 
not a lot of great off-ball movement from the offense of the Timberwolves. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I just really wanted to see more action. I know these guys are tired playing a ton of minutes for the starters on both sides, but I really wanted to see more off-ball movement for the Timberwolves. And then on the other side, crazy how the game comes down with so many young guys on both sides of this. Crazy how the game kind of is defined by the play of a wily veteran in Todd Gibson and what he's able to do against the young Jokic and how he comes up big in this game. And just a phenomenal performance from him. Can't tell you how much he has meant to this team and how much he has done over the course of the season. Really manifesting himself in the end of the season as he comes up with a great defensive performance to finish out the Timberwolves year. Ben DuBose here of Locked on Rockets, talking about the upcoming Rockets-Timberwolves first-round series with Colton Molesky of Locked on Timberwolves, a crossover segment for both of our shows. Colton, I'm taking the role of interviewee a little bit more because certainly the Timberwolves having to win the last game to get into the playoffs, it's been a lot more dramatic than the Rockets, who have been, since March, locked into the number one seed. So there's really a lot more the Rockets did have the injury to Luke Mute last night. If you want more on that, check out our archives over at Locked End Rockets. As far as the matchup between these two teams, there's a little more, I would say, unknown on the Minnesota side. And what really stands out to me, it's a situation in which it can go both ways with regards to how new that playoffs feeling is. You mentioned the first time, 13-year drought, first time since 2004. Amazing accomplishment. On one side, you could see a little bit of happy to be there. That happens sometimes from a young Minnesota team that had so much to play for in the finale against the Rockets team that lost two four times in the regular season. The flip side is that now the Timberwolves got there, there's no pressure. There's nothing to lose, whereas the Rockets have a lot to lose. So how do you look at it? Do you see the, the Timberwolves as just being happy to be there and expecting a short exit? Or do you kind of have some optimism that maybe as a team that doesn't have a lot to lose maybe they played with a certain freedom that maybe they didn't have when they had so much pressure in that Nuggets game? Well, I don't think there's ever a, a situation where a Tibbs and Butler team is going to think that they're just happy to be there and True. are going to be content with just making the playoffs, right? Uh, I mean, this is a team that is guided by Butler's incredible drive both on and off the basketball court. And so I don't think that the mindset is necessarily going to be that they're just happy to be there. I think now that they're there, Butler is going to try and get these guys in gear and in the highest motor possible to try and win some of these games. At the same time, I would like to see some more looseness from the Timberwolves. I would like to see them play a little more free, play a little more free with their lineup versatility. And I'm just excited to see Wiggins play in a, a situation where every single game is a huge spotlight game for him. Maybe he can start to show some dedication that we've been striving for from him night in and night out over the course of the season. Now maybe we're going to see it in the playoffs. Played really well in that game against Denver. Had the 18 points, shot well from outside. I, I'm excited. I think that this team can get up and get into gear, and I don't think that it's just going to be, oh, we, we made it to the playoffs, now we're done. What do you think about Jimmy Butler? The first two games coming off a of torn meniscus actually suffered the last Minnesota Houston game back at Toyota Center in Houston late February. Played just three games. First two played in the 20s, but boy, the season finale, he was a hero. 31 points, 42 minutes. Played in all of overtime. Seemed like he was running out of gas, but he still found a way late in the game. You mentioned his drive. Is he all the way back, or is there still something for him to prove when it comes to 
the knee, the conditioning. Where are you at on Jimmy after seeing him for three games? I think he's all the way back, and I think that he's the best defender since Kawhi might be out for the playoffs, and it looks like they are, the Spurs don't even know when he'll be back still. I think that he is now the best defender, at least in the Western Conference side of things. And so I think that he's an enormous piece to have back. I think that is going to be really helpful, too. You saw what Jokic did from the three-point line against the Timberwolves in the final game of the season. I think it's going to be really helpful to have him on James Harden and the best three-point shooter on the opposite team. Obviously, the Rockets have a lot of shooters from outside, but the best three-point shooter on the Rockets team is going to be somebody that has the lineup against Jimmy Butler. That's definitely helpful for the Timberwolves, and I, I think that he is going to show really big. I think he's going to take it as a personal challenge to have to try and take on James Harden in this one. I could see that, and of course, Jimmy Butler from Tomball, suburb of Houston, you know that he is going to be very motivated for this particular series. In terms of the four losses that Minnesota had to Houston in the regular season, three of them not especially close. Certainly defense is a big part of the equation. James Harden had big games, but what really stood out for me in those games, it was the Rockets' collective shooting. That first game in Minnesota, I believe they had close to 23s. Ryan Anderson had uh, six of them. So it's not just about the perimeter defenders. It's also about the bigs, about Todd Gibson, Carl Anthony Towns, those guys being willing to come out to the three-point line. What do they need to do differently in the playoffs to be more competitive than the four matchups in the regular season? Now, one of them was without Jimmy Butler, let's be fair. But even in the three matchups with Jimmy Butler, they gave up a lot of points, a lot of open shots, especially to the bigs. So what's the, the quick adjustment for Minnesota in this series? Well, I think you saw a little bit of it here is just you've got to take opportunity when you have it. You saw a couple times there were some threes from Crawford, from Bielitsa, even from Teague against the Nuggets in the final game of the season that they just couldn't hit, and they passed the ball that extra time to get the open shot outside. They still shot 9 from 23 from outside. Really, you just need to have one dedicated shooter. Wiggins was that guy tonight where he was doing a really great job making a dedicated effort to actually extend his range more outside than he usually does. And second, you need to have guys actually knocking down those shots. You need to be able to build some confidence in that area. The Timberwolves are a team where there's a bunch of guys who can shoot the three, but if they're not knocking it down early, then they're not going to go to that three-point ball over and over again. There's not a bunch of guys like an Eric Gordon or James Hunt where they're just going to keep popping threes and they know and they have the confidence that they're going to get hot. If Wiggins doesn't make those first couple of threes, he's not going to keep shooting them. And so it's crucial in all of these games for the Timberwolves for them to start feeling it from three early on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I think it's just not getting into those little traps where you have Clint Capella set that screen high on uh, at the top of the key and then making a dash to the basket. That's those, those are easy buckets for the, the Rockets to get Capella going early inside and then draw the defense away from the perimeter. You just got to be able to stay with your guy man-to-man and win those matchups and just play smart basketball. Colton, we don't have to do predictions today because we just learned the matchup. We can do that closer to the end of the week on each of our shows, Locked on Rockets, Locked on Wolves. Final question I want to ask you, and actually this can be a two-way. I'll start with mine, and the question is going to be X-Factor that's not a star player. 
By that, I mean anyone can look at these matchups and say, look, James Harden, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, these are phenomenally talented basketball players. We could even throw Clint Capella and Andrew Wiggins in there. We all know that. Someone that's not a plan A or even necessarily a plan B for your team that could be a big, I would say, difference maker in this matchup. For me, I mentioned him earlier. It's going to be Ryan Anderson, in my opinion, for Houston. You saw that a lot, the first four matchups. Uh, now, to be fair, Ryan has not played much on the stretch of the year with a sprained ankle. He's going to have to prove that he's healthy. But if he is, Minnesota led by Tom Thibodeau, a little more of a traditional team than others in the West. So that stretch four and stretch five, actually, because Ryan's primarily been playing the five of late, really made a difference in those first games against Minnesota, a team that likes to play physical. So for me, from the Rockets' side, especially when you go back, as you were saying, I actually asked you about the three-point defense. We went into both the three-point defense and the three-point offense. Um, the twos versus threes thing was going to come up a lot in terms of Minnesota taking more twos, Houston taking more threes. Can you make the math work? And a big part of that equation, it's not just going to be you know, the stars, James, Eric Gordon, Chris Paul, etc., but it's the role players like Ryan Anderson. From your side, who's the guy that you think might match up well for the Rockets or maybe needs to to play well, at the very least, to make this a longer series than some people might think? I like this. I like this a lot. I'm going to go a little deeper than, uh, than any of the starters. Tyus Jones is my guy. That I would like to see him not only play more minutes in the playoffs, but I think maybe people anticipate from a bench player on a Tibbs team. But I want to see him play over 20 minutes a game and... He was one of the best guys in the NBA in, in assist-to-turnover ratio. Great around the basketball, both at playmaking for teammates and at grabbing steals, uh, making defensive plays. Off the bench, if he can average in this series somewhere around eight points and then like five assists and four steals, something like that, something where he's getting the ball a lot from, offense, from defense to offense and getting the transition game going for the Timberwolves, especially that second unit. And you saw him a little bit at the end of the season playing with guys like Teague, guys like Crawford, guys like Butler. When he's playing with those guys and getting the transition game going, I think it's big for this Timberwolves team, especially when you're resting maybe some starters like Gibson and Town, and you have a bunch of second guys out there getting the transition game going against the Rockets. I think that will be huge for them. So Tyus Jones is my guy who needs to be that spark off the bench for the Timberwolves. I like that. I could see it because the Timberwolves probably need to go a little smaller in this series to try and match up with the speed and three-point shooting of the Rockets. Also, a funny little storyline. One of the only times I have ever seen the great Adrian Wojnarowski head faked was three years ago when Tyus Jones ended up getting drafted by Minnesota. Actually, a couple of picks before that, he was supposed to be, according to Woj, drafted by the Rockets, and it actually ended up being a misdirection. The Rockets ended up taking Sam Decker instead, and Sam Decker no longer even in Houston because he was part of the trade to the Clippers for Chris Paul. But maybe there's such a thing as a hashtag Tyus Jones revenge game because, he, according to Woj, he's supposed to get drafted by the Rockets. We'll have to wait and see. But in general, even just from an X's and O's standpoint, I think that's probably a good call because the Timberwolves probably need something to go a little differently in the three-point department and the speed than it did in the first four matchups of this series when they lost all four. Colton, thank you so much for the time. Sorry, go ahead. I would, I would just love a twenty-point Jones game off the bench in Minnesota for a little bit of a, a revenge storyline. There you Timberwolves. go. It'd be nice in a series that they're probably going to get slapped in. <laughs> like that. All right. Well, uh, Colton, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it, uh, folks. He's Colton Molesky. Want to follow him on Twitter? He is at 
C. Molesky, that's C-M-O-L-E-S-K-Y. And I am Ben Dubose. I am at Ben Dubose, B-E-N-D-U-B-O-S-E. Folks, I'm with Locked on Rockets, he's with Locked on Timberwolves, and that will put a wrap on our joint segment, but stay tuned to both of our shows across this Locked on Podcast Network, because we'll have much more content between the two of us in the days and weeks ahead as the Rockets and Timberwolves get ready for their best-of-seven series battle in the first round. Again, that's Colton Molesky of Locked on Timberwolves. Thanks to him for coming by. As I mentioned, best place to follow him, like myself, he's on Twitter, at C-M-O-L-E-S-K-Y. So he's going to be our expert from the other side for a lot of the series. Appreciate him stopping by. One final note before we stop tonight's show. We're not awaiting just the Rockets opponent, because that's now set, but also what the full bracket is going to be. And as I am recording this podcast, I'm not a huge fan, because we knew going in the swing game is going to be Utah-Portland, because Utah wins the game. They win the Northwest Division. They're the three seed, and by virtue of the tiebreakers, pushes Oklahoma City down to the six. So... The winner of that would play Golden State. And as I mentioned last night's show, Utah against Golden State, that's a favorable matchup. Uh, if you want to see the Warriors lose, because the Jazz have beaten them the last three times, two of them by 30 or more points, the last one by 40. Well, as I'm recording this podcast, the Blazers are up by 14. Still early in the game, but the Jazz just 27 points, five minutes left in the second quarter. They did play last night. This is night two of a road back-to-back. Long plane flight from Utah to Portland after the game. So hopefully they can turn it around, because if they don't, then Utah-Oklahoma City, they'll still play. But they are going to be the 4-5 matchup, and the winner of that would play the Rockets. So we'll have more on that in the days ahead. Don't want to go too deep into it, because the odds are by the time you listen to this podcast, you're going to know whether Portland is the 3 or Utah, and also whether Oklahoma City is the 5 or the 6. So that's the other thing to stay tuned for in the days ahead. Also, the Rockets game tonight. They are playing the Kings as I record this, but let's be real. Literally everyone outside of P.J. Tucker and Gerald Green in the rotation is not playing. There's nothing to take from the season finale in Sacramento as long as they stay healthy and don't have any other player go down the way Luke Bob Mute did in the L.A. game. Again, the news after the MRI in Houston, as good as it reasonably could be, he's going to be out in the first round. They'll reevaluate in two to four weeks, sort of the same timetable as the first time. I take it as positive he's not having immediate surgery because with him being a free agent, if he wanted to stabilize it, he could take a longer-term view. He's not going to do that. It indicates he wants to return because, well, if he wanted to focus on next season, time to do it would be now. So if he wants to return, my opinion, it's a good sign. So hopefully he does. But uh, again, it's going to be a wait and see. I do think it hurts him a little bit against Minnesota. But ultimately, the difference between the 65 or 66 win Rockets and the 47 win Timberwolves, it's not just Luke Bamute. Now, granted, the Timberwolves might be three or four games soft in terms of record by virtue of Jimmy Butler being injured, he's now back, so maybe they're a 50-51 win team. But even so, Rockets are still a better team. And by the way, the Timberwolves, over the past couple of months, even before Jimmy Butler went out, their net ratings in the bottom half of the NBA, they've been struggling for a while, and it did not look especially good down the stretch against Denver either. So could Jimmy Butler cure some of the ills? Possibly, but the point is, even with the Luke Bamute injury, even with Jimmy Butler's return, there should still be a large gap based on what we have observed through 82 games and also four head-to-head matchups between these two teams. So the Rockets, if they lose to Minnesota, if they lose four times out of seven, it's not about the matchup, it's not about Luke Bamute, it's something about you. And as long as the Rockets advance, which they certainly are in a strong position to do so, then hopefully you're in a position, as long as there's no certain side effect or downturn that has not occurred yet, 
then I think the odds are pretty good that you do get Luke Bamute back, if not by the second round, certainly by the Western Conference Finals in a month when you could conceivably play the Golden State Warriors, or if you're lucky enough to play a team that knocks them out. So that's enough playoff talk for one day. I will wrap it right there because it's our second episode of Wednesday. Hopefully that's enough Rockets content for one day, and we'll, of course, have much more in the days ahead as the Rockets get closer to their season op- uh, playoff season opening game this weekend at Toyota Center. Until then, you want more from me, best place to get it is on Twitter. I'm at Ben DuBose. The show is at Lockdown Rockets. Also, as I mentioned, uh, Colton Molesky, he's at C. Molesky. He's the Lockdown Timberwolves host. And, of course, he hosts Lockdown Timberwolves. You can find the same places you find Lockdown Rockets, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Megaphone, wherever you listen to your podcast, just search for Lockdown Rockets, search for Lockdown Timberwolves, or search for any NBA team, any NFL team, including the Texans, and we're actually starting to get an MLB network going as well. Don't have the Astros quite yet, but we are moving in that direction. Tons of great content across this Lockdown Podcast Network. And of course, for me here in Houston, besides subscribing and leaving us five-star reviews, that's the best way that we can look attractive to potential advertisers, other things you can do. Want more content? LockdownRockets.com is our website, Facebook.com slash Locked on Rockets. And of course, we have an email address as well, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. If you've got questions for the show, suggestions for me, advertising inquiries, if you want to be a part of our growing audience for the playoffs, so many things you can be a part of as we here at Locked on Rockets and really we here across the Locked on Podcast Network get ready for a great NBA playoff run ahead. So again, the news of the day, Rockets one seed playing Minnesota, the eight seed first round of the playoffs beginning this weekend at Toyota Center in downtown Houston. Best of seven series. Rockets won four games to none in the four regular season matchup, three of them by 18 points. So on paper, at least, it's a pretty favorable matchup for the Rockets to advance. Will it actually play out that way on the floor? We'll find out starting in a few days. So for now, I will wrap up. Have a good night, everyone, or well, have a good morning if you're listening on uh, early on Thursday. And we'll talk again either later Thursday or Friday in a little more depth about this Rockets-Timberwolves matchup and what's to come over the next few days. And we'll also discuss when things get finalized in the Portland-Utah game, what the rest of the Western Conference bracket looks like in the weeks ahead for round two and potentially round three. For now, though, have a good night, everyone, and thanks again for listening to Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily coverage of Houston Rockets basketball.